Hey, make sure you order your Coaching You videos, 15 videos, 10 NBA coaches, best content we've ever had. Go to 2018.coachingyou.tv, $249 for 15 videos. Order today. Hey, let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market today. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high-repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and to provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind of basketball shooting industry that enables coaches and players to stay connected, design and upload training exercises that combine shooting, conditioning, and ball handling into one complete workout, and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is without question the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. It's been the official shooting machine of Coaching You for the last two years. To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to drdishbasketball.com or follow them on Twitter at drdishbball. I wanted to announce a new partnership between Coaching You and Inner Zone Sports. You know, for a long time, one of the intangibles by coaches and athletes is team chemistry. And it's a major factor all the time in whether a team has success or failure. When it, the folks from Interzone came to me at Coaching You and said, we can even help your team, I was all ears. And what we did is we took a quick assessment, two to four minutes each person, and we were stunned by what we found out about ourselves and our team. You owe it to yourself to find out what Interzone can do for your team. It's the simplest and fastest and most accurate software available to measure team chemistry. I highly recommend, without any reservation, the use of Interzone with your team, whether you are a middle school, high school, college, or professional team, to help take you to the next level. For further information, go to coachingyoulive.com slash Interzone. That's I-N-N-E-R. Z-O-N-E. Hey, I hope you had a great Labor Day. Welcome to our Coaching You podcast with the coach, Brendan Sir. I think you're going to find today to be absolutely fascinating. Our guest, Frank Martin, head coach, University of South Carolina. One of the great personalities in our game, one of the great teachers and humans that we have in the game of coaching. You'll love them. It's as in-depth and behind the scenes as we get in our podcast. After this break, come back. Frank Martin, South Carolina. Fast Model Sports is the world's most versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. Fast Model has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software. Fast Draw. 
Fastor bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy-to-use interface that can be used on both your computer and your iPad, providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. It doesn't stop there. Along with FastDraw, they have other great programs such as FastScout, which I have used, which helps coaches create clean professional sky reports customized for your team. FastModel is trusted and used by every NBA team and WNBA team and 85% of Division I college teams and over 8,000 high school and youth teams from over 75 countries around the world. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 5,000 free plays and drills for their online coaching community. For access to these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. Hey, this is the coach, Brendan Sir, back with our guest, Frank Martin, the head coach of the University of South Carolina. Final four, Frank, they call him. No, you're, <laughs> you're, you're one of my favorite people. We used to love to go together and, uh, you know, for years and meet up uh, every August about this time at the Florida Clinic. And uh, you were one of the most transformational coaches I ever met for myself. Uh, someone that after all my years in the NBA, I said, this man has such love coming out of his heart. Frank, where does that come from? Uh, Brendan, you know, it's just uh, um, just my family. That's where it starts. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we didn't have much growing up, but the one thing we had was love in our home. And uh, so even though, you know, maybe you can only afford one pair of shoes or two mm-hmm. pairs of pants, we didn't realize that <laughs> – we we didn't have material things because we were so rich in love and uh, that that came from you know my my grandparents leaving cuba and and coming to this country just looking for an opportunity to raise their kids and then their kids raising me and my sister and um and then the community the coaches the teachers uh the neighborhood um you know it's always about giving and uh it's the way i've been raised and uh and it's uh what i've tried to do in uh, uh, in this path that I ended up in in 1985 of coaching, uh, which is just give, uh, not not be consumed with wins and losses, uh, be consumed with with giving to help somebody and and get joy out of watching young people grow and and get better and move forward. And I just try to share that with anyone that ever wants to talk to me about things like that. You know, one of the things I, I always ask coaches when I do a coaching you event or speak anywhere in the country is I, I say to them, you know, what is coaching? And, you know, I define it as coaching as far as taking players where they can't take themselves. And that's not just in basketball. That's in life. And you've done that so many times, wherever you've been from Miami senior high through your college career now. And that's what's inside of you. That's, that's your purpose, correct? Yeah. It's, uh, that's, you know, I, I, I just had a conversation with somebody, you know, pretty well, Udonis Aslan. And to, to, to think where UD was as a high school kid to the, the successes he had with Billy D in Florida and how he grew. And then, uh, he took on the next challenge of his career, not getting in the NBA and not pouting, not complaining. And now he's trying to figure out whether 
or not, he wants to play one more year. But the part that's awesome to me is how he's like giving back to the community and, and, you know, and he's, he's an entrepreneur. He's created business and he's created business in the neighborhoods that he grew up in so he can hire people from the neighborhood. And, um, it's, uh, that's, that's what life's all about. It's, uh, uh, it's all I know. And, and you know what, Brendan, that's where, uh, because of basketball, I met Anthony Grant, someone, you know, well, and because of Anthony, I met Billy D because of Billy D I met you. <laughs> and, 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 and my life has taken off because I've gotten around people, uh, that are about giving and, and, you know, yeah, they chase success, which is a never ending journey. It's not like you ever stand up and say, Hey, I'm successful. Uh, you're, you're always fighting, uh, to, to continue to move forward. Uh, but what makes it great for me as I go through that journey is that I'm always around people that are about giving. So I learn, and the more I learn, the more I can give the next people. You know, uh, uh, there's a there's a wonderful thing that I, uh, you know, we always heard to think tough love, tough love. You know, that's what it's all about. And, <laughs> yeah. and then my friend John Gordon, who's a friend of yours too, you know, the great author and speaker, yep. you know, he one day said to me, Brendan, you got it ass backwards. It's not tough love. It's love tough. Yep. And he says, love has to come before tough. And you have the infamous stare, <laughs> right? You should get that damn thing trademarked, right? <laughs> but inside of that ferocious stare is what? Uh, it's, it's, it's my grandmother all over it. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you know, Brendan, when my mom was working, my grandma was the one that was home. And, you know, I, I'm a boy and I'm trying to figure life out. And when I do something I wasn't supposed to, she had that stare. That's no where way. it comes from. She And I knew when I was younger, that meant that I was getting ready to take a right hand across the top of my head. And, and as I got older and bigger, then it meant the broomstick was coming across oh. my head. So, so I understood when my grandmother gave me that look that that okay stop but the reason that i respected that look is exactly what john told you because the amount of love she constantly gave me and uh and that's the way i've always approached it i i i just like john i go to to you i um you know i can be tough on players and hold them accountable because we share so much love about real things that don't pertain to basketball uh, that when it comes to basketball, uh, it's a normal, natural, real family interaction. You know, I tell people all the time, I tell kids all the time, have you ever been mad at your mom and dad? Mm-hmm. Do your mom and dad not love you the next day? Do you not go back and love your mom and dad? That's the same way. It's mm-hmm. beat why? Because there's love before anything else. You know, and, and those are the lessons that great coaches teach their players. You, We've heard this all the time, and, and I know you were coached by a great coach, uh, Shaky Rodriguez and stuff, and had a huge influence in your life. But sometimes those are the really, for many kids, you might be the only male influence in their life, correct? Yeah, that's who Shaky was for me. Yeah. I mean, my mom and my uncle, my dad left the house. My mom and my uncle worked all day. Uh, so who was my male influence? 
the basketball coach from our community, which was Shaky Rodriguez and, and, uh, and his assistant coach and his two assistant coaches. Um, those three guys were the male role models for me. Those are the guys that basically dealt with me, uh, from a parental standpoint as a father. And, uh, um, and, and that's, so I've always had that in my heart. Uh, when I went as a high school teacher, uh, I always approached it every single day as if I might be the only male that actually cared about that person in his life or her life. And it's something that when I got to college, I've never gotten away from that. And, uh, uh, I try to, uh, I try to find out as much information as I can about people, uh, because at the end of the day, I'm trying to help them. And for me to help them, I need to understand them and understand the journey they've been on so I can comprehend how they learn and how I can grab their heart. And if I can grab their heart, then they'll give me anything they got. Wow. Whew. That is powerful. The The thing that I think we've learned over the years of some of us, when we were coached, everyone was treated the same. You know what? I don't yep. care who you are, you're treated the same. Yep. But then as we've learned, as we've gone and we've grown, we find out that you got to coach every player differently because every one of them is differently. And that's what I think coaches know that educators, and I'm not knocking educators or business people sometimes don't understand. Speak to that if you would. Absolutely. You know, Brendan, the, 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 the biggest phallus that exists is that everyone should respect and trust us because we're a coach, a teacher, a leader, and let's let's be honest. I really don't care what people know, but I do care how someone can share what they know to help me learn. And and that's with all the kids. And now I'll, I'll take it a step further for you. The way we learned where basically it was like this for everybody. Mm-hmm. Now, not only do you have to kind of touch everyone more individually. We also live in a, in a, in a time, and I've spoken about this publicly, uh, you know, kids, kids haven't changed. They're still kids. Mm-hmm. What's changed is technology. What's changed is times. And the old folks like me, we have to adapt to the changing of times and technology so we can learn how to grab these young kids so then we can show them how we can help them. And, and if we ever misspeak, on anything, those kids are Googling whatever we say. <laughs> and if they, we say one thing that's not true, that person, we've lost them forever. They'll never believe anything that comes out of our mouth again. We can work the rest of our life to get them to believe in our words. It's never happening. And uh, so we, we have to be very careful on what we speak about, how we speak about it. We have to be genuine and we have to be willing to then stand up and correct ourselves whenever we do realize that maybe we didn't speak clearly on something. And uh, because it's it's kids don't communicate anymore through conversations. That's my hardest challenge now yeah. when, I, when these kids get on campus is I have to force them to learn on how to communicate with with not just me, but everyone on our campus. They'll text, they'll social media people, they'll they'll. they'll They'll express themselves through that. But now you sit down with them and you just have a normal conversation. and They, they don't know how to express themselves. And, 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 and I get it. Uh, all the other stuff's important, but that's how I have to learn who they are 
so I can grab them and then help them learn how to communicate. So when they end up in that room with an MBA general manager who's trying to figure out, is this a person that we want to put as part of our organization? Uh, they can articulate their thoughts and express themselves in a way that opens a door rather than shut a door. You know, I told Doc Rivers uh, when we were talking about the draft, I said, uh, and he and he asked me about uh, Sidarius Thornwell, and I said, he will be the toughest guy on your team. He said, well, I got Brendan, I got Paul Pierce. I said, he'll knock him on his ass. <laughs> I said, he laughed at me, and I said, I'm, not, I'm being serious. I said, he will play. Don't, I don't care if they say he can't shoot. I don't care. He knows how to win, and he's got toughness, and he, I think he can lead. you got to ask Frank about that, but I think from an observer playing against him, I think he can lead. He did it for them. Uh, I'm so proud of that kid, you know, yeah. and, and those are the stories where, you know, guys get a chance, and look what happens when they get into an environment where you nurtured him and helped him grow. And then, you know, no one gave that kid a shot. Had a tough time, but you hung with him because yep. kids have hard times. Yep. Yeah. And that's that's at the end of the day. We're all we all have a different journey. Yeah. And and we the, the light bulb don't come on at the right time for everybody at the same time. Mm. Uh, you know, we, we all uh, have to learn at the whatever rate. And, and whatever path that, that we're on. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll use two guys that are both NBA guys uh, that have different journeys to get where they're at. One is Sindarius, who you just spoke about, who, um, uh, because of today's time, everyone in his life had told him uh, that it was a lot easier to get to the NBA and stay in the NBA than it really was. And, and helping him go through the dynamic where he had to realize, like, wow, I'm not even close. Mm. I've got so much more i got to get better at on the court and off the court before that's ever uh, the reality that that when he was, was given the opportunity up to this point, he has done everything above and beyond what's been expected of him. So he's earned trust at a young age. And then the other guy who is very dear to me, who still comes and spends the summers with me as he tr continues to try and figure out who he is and how to do things is Michael Beasley, mm -hmm. where, where everything came real easy to him at a younger age. And everyone that told him how great he was, those words were kind of uh, uh, reinforced by how easy the transition was from high school to college to the NBA. But he wasn't at a place yet where he was comfortable with who he was, and he was searching. So walking in the door was easier for him. But think about how many guys like him with his talent, because we all want to judge people on, on uh, how many points per game and all this other nonsense. But how many guys like him that have been very talented have shown up at the NBA from day one and three years later, because things don't go their way, we never hear from them again. Right. Mike, Mike has seen the whole thing and become irrelevant, and here he is rebuilding his career in his late 20s, and, uh, which is because he's just starting to finally figure out who he is. Uh, and, and, and so it's different journeys, different people, uh, but at the end of the day, my role 
and and it's just who I am. I don't know if this is how other people do it. And I've been around people that do it like this. That's why I've learned to do it this way. And it's why I'm comfortable is I'm, it's my duty to stay in their lives whenever they need me so they can continue to move forward. Cause I can tell you at 52, I still lean on people in my life, shaky Rodriguez included on how to make my decisions so I can continue to improve. Let's talk about uh, someone that I know is of huge influence. And, uh, you know, man, I didn't get to know him till several years ago. And, man, I fell in love with this guy. And I was Bob Huggins. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. you look at him on the outside and you watch him on TV and you say, man, that guy's tough. He's crazy. He's yelling, screaming. Here's another guy. It's, his heart has just opened up to people, right? It's, uh, uh, once again, uh, because of basketball. And, uh, um, I got to know him when I was still, I was actually Shakey's assistant when I first met him really? and, uh, yep. And, uh, I met him there and then he and I continued, uh, to build a relationship and, uh, uh, he recruited our kids extremely hard, never got any of them. How about that? Uh, never got one. Um, and, uh, then I went to Northeastern yeah. and, um, and our friendship maintained and continued. And, um, and then when he, when he, this, this said to me, see, we live in an age where everyone's always chasing jobs. Now we're all consumed with the job. And, and, and I told hugs a long time ago, I said, hugs, I'm never going to ask you for a job, but if you ever need me, I'm here. Mm. And he was, you know, he had gone through his DUI suspension and he called me while when, get ready to finish the suspension and we're just having a regular conversation like we usually have and at the end of the conversation he says hey uh remember you said that if i ever need you uh i said hugs i told you i'm never asking you for a job he says i need you this was on a friday how about that and and i said okay let me talk to my boss he says i already talked to ronnie he says, can you be here Monday? I said, I'll be there. And that's how, that's, that's how that right? hiring took place. And that was <laughs> and, at K-State. Uh, that was, no, that was at Cincinnati. Oh, you went to Cincinnati first? Yeah. Me. Okay. To Cincinnati. And uh, so now I go to Cincinnati and, and I'm there with him for a year. At the end of the year, he gets fired. Yes, I remember. Okay. Yeah. And then Andy Kennedy and I stayed behind. And then when he went to K-State, uh, uh, it was my duty. To, to go help him build K-State. And uh, heck, little did I know that exactly almost to the date, a year later, uh, West Virginia was going to hire him, and I was going to walk out of a meeting with the president saying, these guys actually hired me. <laughs> well, you, and I, you and I were doing a clinic in Miami years ago, and one of the greatest stories he ever told me was about how you – told your beautiful wife you were moving to Manhattan. Oh, God. She was so thrilled. She was so thrilled. Tell her how how you did that. You told her, honey, (laughs) we're moving to Manhattan. She said, really? (laughs) I was a little lapple, right? A little lapple, not to me. Oh, my God. I was at Hugs' house in Cincinnati, and he tells me, Frank, I'm not making this call unless you're coming. I said, Hugs, wherever you go, I'm in. So if that's the place, I'm in. So he calls, takes the job. I go to another room, call her, and I say, we're moving to Manhattan. <laughs> and she starts hollering and hooting. And she's a New York City girl. She's, so a, she's, she's, she's going, going home. home. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> 
I love that story. But yeah, so now you work with him to get the K-State job. What was the biggest thing you learned from going to be an assistant to a head coach? Um, Or some of the things. Yeah, and I learned this from Hugs. Uh, I, I, I was lucky. I was with Ronnie at Northeastern. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ronnie Everhart, that is. Fabulous like a coach. brother. Fabulous yeah, coach. he's like a brother. He's ridiculous. What a human being he is. Um, and uh, uh, and then leave him and go, you know, I'm with Hugs for basically three years. Um, and then all of a sudden, over a 48-hour period, I go from being an assistant coach to a head coach. And um, the one thing I learned – uh, from hugs is uh, be comfortable with being who I am. Don't don't try to act or portray uh, someone publicly and be different privately. Just be comfortable with who you are. And and I learned that from hugs to have the courage because we 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 all fall victim to being politically correct a little too much. Uh, and I see that now that I've been a head coach for eleven years. Uh, because we get consumed with our job title. Uh, we, 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 you know, it takes courage to be comfortable with who you are, uh, because that means that you're willing to represent yourself, um, the same way, whether people are watching or not. And, and I think that creates respect from those around you, which I'm a big inside noise guy. I listen very hard to my president, my AD, my assistants, my players, my family. You know, anyone that's on the inside, my ears are always open to all they say. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, and I think we've, we, we worry too much about outside noise. Mm-hmm. So we act a certain way to appease the outside noise, which then creates doubt in who you are as a human being by the people on the inside. And, uh, and, and I, I, being around hugs, I felt real comfortable, just frank. All right, these people believe in you. They're giving you this job. Now be comfortable with who you are and just listen to them and push forward. And it's what I've tried to do. And it's uh, it's worked for me from a coaching standpoint for 34 years or whatever it is now. <laughs> um, and it's uh, and it's worked for me for 11 years with a couple different administrations as a Division One head coach. When you started coaching, you did what I did, and and probably because I started coaching when I was 21, but when I started coaching when I was 21, I had players. I started coaching in college when I was 21. I had players older than me, and so I just just coached. And then when I went to the pros, I was coaching. I was 27, and I had a lot of players older than me, and I just always told players, call me Brendan, you know, and you tell your players, just call you Frank, right? Yep, yep, yep. I kind of let it on them, whatever they're comfortable with. Yeah. And yeah, and it comes from exactly what you're saying. I I started coaching in my neighborhood. Yeah, and uh we we uh we called our the head coach at our high school, Shaky Rodriguez. Some people called him coach, some people said coach Shaky, some people said Shaky. And mm-hmm. and, and why? Cuz we're all from the same neighborhood and then I end up coaching at the age of 20 and I'm coaching the younger brothers of the guys I grew up with. <laughs> I wasn't Coach Martin that just moved into the neighborhood. Right. I was Frank from the park that they just played against three days ago. So I start coaching, and it, you know, I'm coaching the, everyone from the, our neighborhood, just the younger brothers and and the cousins, and who you know, just the younger kids, and they always knew me as Frank, Frank, Frank. So it started that way, uh, 
I've never felt that I need to force people to call me by a certain name to show the outside world that there's respect. Yes. Uh, I, you know, and, and my whole deal is I have personal relationships with people. Uh, you know, my, you know, my kids call me dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friends call me Frank. My mom and immediate family members call me Frankie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's yeah. the people I have personal relationships with don't call me coach. They don't call me Mr. Martin. They call me by either my given name, my my parental name, mm-hmm. or my nickname. Yeah, and you know, and it's so that's I got personal relationships with our players, so I'm comfortable with them. You know, I, I got some that call me Frank, some call me Coach Frank, some call me Coach, some say Coach Martin. That's on them. I want them to be comfortable with who they are. I don't want them to put on a scene so they think that makes me feel better. Uh, I just, uh, it's just kind of who I am and it's the way I've learned. My first recruiting, my first job was University of Detroit for Dick Vitale, my head coach. And, oh boy. Uh, yeah. And he says, uh, drive from Detroit to Washington, D.C., spend a few weeks and get to know people. And I loved it then because when you're back in then, we had we had no problems with the NCAA because there was 12 months you could recruit. There were no quiet periods. There was nothing. I could, if I wanted to go see Kenny Carr to Matha play 25 games or Butch Lee, I could see him play every day. It didn't matter. And you know what? There were no problems. I'm telling you, there were way less problems than there are now with all this crap. And I go see Morgan Wooten. He's got a terrific team, as always. And he's an icon. And I walk in. I'm so scared. Hmm. And I said, Coach Brendan, sir. He says, my son's name, Brendan. Please call me Morgan. My players do. How about that? And I almost fell. No player ever called him anything but Morgan. How about that? And That's incredible. He's a, so iconic a figure. And it taught me then. I said, yeah. Well, if it works for him, I think that's me too, you know, <laughs> but I, I, I loved it and stuff. And, you know, John Thompson, you know, was, you know, he was coaching at the same time at St. Anthony's high school and in Washington. And when I was a camper at five star, I played with his stepson, Donald Washington, who played at North Carolina. And in the summers I would go down and spend a week at John's house. So now no one, when you're recruiting college could ever go see St. Anthony's practice. Except me, because, uh, yeah, but it was relationships. It had nothing to do with, you know, the, you know, he was, and that that's the beauty of this business. It's, it's all about that. You work with a wonderful, iconic woman who I love to death and Dawn Staley, our yep. women's national coach. Tell me about her. And then we'll talk about Champ, her wonder dog. I love Champ. But, <laughs> but tell me about Dawn. Oh my God! Uh, uh, it, it's that's why you should never judge a book by its cover. That's why you should never uh, create a mindset based on on appearance. What do I mean by that? Uh, you see her, mm-hmm. and you never saw her play. You see someone that's not very tall, mm-hmm. not very physically imposing. But I don't think I've ever been around somebody that's got a bigger competitive will than her. Wow. Uh, it's, uh, uh, I remember watching her as a player yep. and, and I, I, I like, how does she do that? And, and when I met her, I met her while I was still at Kansas state, I was floored 
she's a lot smaller than I even thought she was watching on TV. How about that? And, uh, and now when I come watch her, uh, in practice and, and I see the way she teaches, how demanding she is, how she, uh, manages in her own way. Um, uh, she, she, she's willing to, to take a step and think about this, Brandon. It, it, I'm big on like, I, 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 people say, Frank, what do you read? I like reading about people that impact things to make them better. Mm-hmm. Like Bill Walsh, the West Coast offense. Sure. That was back in 1978, 980, somewhere in there. Yeah. We still talk about it now. The yeah. West Coast, you know, Pete Carrill, the Princeton offense. It's years. Well, it's the Princeton offense. It's what we still, you know, these people impacted games, you know, that's lasted a lifetime. Well, Don, you can argue that no one's impacted women's basketball like she has, at least in my lifetime. And, you know, Pat Summit, maybe, you know, Gino and Don, those are pretty much the three. But what she has been able to do playing for university, what she did at Virginia, playing for our country with all the gold medals and now coaching at two different universities, leading us to a national championship and now being the national Women's coach, I, I, it's it's unbelievable, and uh, uh, but she has a will, uh, a competitive spirit about her um, that that's incredible. And and then this is what told me about who she is. She she had already built her program here to where they were ready to be competitive in the NCAA tournament, and uh, they had won a couple games a year before, gone to a Sweet Sixteen, and I get hired. Now it's my first year here and we're not very good. And, and, and no one on campus really cared whether we were good or not. No one paid attention. All that, all that, um, um, uh, apathy is what apathy is one of my least favorite words. I can't stand it. I can't, I don't like people that are apathetic. Sure. And, and there was just apathy in everything with men's basketball at South Carolina. And she used to come see me early in the morning. Or late at night, she'd shoot me a text. And it's not like we're best friends. We basically were just getting to know each other. Right. And she'd keep saying, stay with it. I've lived it. It's okay. Hey, and she'd come watch us practice. And, and, and then she just like remind me, we'd have a bad loss. And she grabbed me like, keep doing what you're doing. It's, it's going to change. Be patient. It's okay. And then she would share her first four years here on how she went through similar things that I was experiencing. Cause Brendan, I had never been as a head coach around losing the way we did here. I had never been around the apathy that we had here as a head coach, high school or college. Um, so it was all, it was a new behavior for me and I was trying to figure it out and uh, to have her who's got her own program, She's having, she's had unbelievable success as a player and a coach already to be consumed with helping me. (laughs) I, you know, that's, uh, that, that meant a lot to me as far as who she is. Well, she aptly named her dog champ. She is one herself. Uh, yeah, I'm a huge admirer and have never met her, but I study her. I follow her on Twitter all the time and I'm, it's just an amazing story of who she is. Um, you know, one of the things that, Several things uh, jump out at me about yourself, but um, but one of the things that I was so proud of uh, because you know it happened my last year at LSU was uh, was 
you know, you taking that program to the Final Four. Uh, tell me the emotions that went through you going through there. That was unbelievable, Brendan. I, uh, you know, it's uh, we at Kansas State in 2010, we were up one with three minutes to go against Butler in the Elite Eight game. And uh, right, I remember. Uh, yeah, yeah, and we couldn't close the game out. Now they they had obviously a coach and Brad Stevens that's pretty good, mm-hmm. and they had a guy named Gordon Hayward who's <laughs> pretty good, mm-hmm. and they had another guy named Shelvin Mack who's pretty good. Yep. And but we just couldn't close them out. And they, I see the the joy that that Brad and his team was going through, and I'm sitting in the locker room, and I'm just exhausted our players were spent i was spent of how hard it was to get to that place and not quite be good enough to get to that final four and uh, uh i've got i've got unbelievable respect for winning i think winning so hard mm-hmm. and and you can win a lot of games and never go to a final four and there's so many people that are so much better coaching basketball than i am that never got an opportunity to coach in a final four it's a hard place to go to. And uh, so now you hit fast forward. And what I told you earlier about where we were at as a program in 2012 when I got here, the apathy. Uh, and then um, to, 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 to beat the University of Florida at Madison Square Garden, sold out, and basically 85% South Carolina fans. Uh, it's New York City, Frank McGuire. Mm. New York, New York, Frank Sinatra playing in the in the in the rafters. Uh, my wife's a New Yorker. My sister lives in New York. Uh, I've got my mom, my wife, my kids, Darius Rocker, uh-huh. all crying because of the joy of the moment. Uh, it was an unbelievable, just unbelievable thing that that will stay with me. That moment at Madison Square Garden will stay with me for, I mean, that could have happened in any other city in America, but it happened in New York City, the mecca of basketball, uh, you know, Coach McGuire's connection to New York and South Carolina, my family, my wife's family, it, it's everything. And it's and I'm sitting there on that court and I'm saying, how is this possible? And um, unbelievable moment for me personally. And then there's one other moment that, that gets me. Uh, and, um, so now, you know, you, you wait a whole week to play the national semifinal game mm-hmm. and now it's time. And that clock's ticking down and you leave the locker room and you're walking and it's, it's a football stadium. So it's a long walk from long the locker room walk. to get to the court. And, uh, now I, I walk. And I'm, I'm very tunnel visioned in games. I kind of look forward. I don't look around. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm walking out of the tunnel and, and you can feel a different vibe coming off the stands. But now you got to climb up on the court because it's an <laughs> elevated court. Right. I get up there and now I'm standing there and they're playing the national anthem and I'm standing there with my hand over my heart and I'm looking around and there's 76,000 people that are there. I caught myself. I felt like a tourist in New York City looking at all the big buildings. And I said, Frank, everyone's looking at you. Look straight ahead. So now I look straight ahead. And and I see uh, Jim Calhoun, Eddie Fogler, yeah. uh, Toby Smith. Now I really got nervous. Now I'm saying, here are all these Hall of Fame guys that are right in front of me. They're here to watch my team play. 
and and I got overwhelmed in that moment with emotion. And it's it's and truth be told, it's the first time where I've actually been nervous about my job. And uh, uh, but then you look at your players, and you get back to the guys you've lived with and the ball goes up and then all that goes out the window. Uh, but, but that moment with the national anthem was real powerful for me. Well, man, I'll tell you what, I grew up in New Jersey and Frank Sinatra's from Hoboken. Yes, and, sir. And Frank Martin, you did it the way he sang a song, doing it my way. And Frank Martin, you do it your way. And that's what makes you so special. And I love you, brother. You're amazing. Thank you, Brandon. Much love to you too. And uh, I can't. Yeah, that's, as long as I keep meeting people like you in this business, I know that uh, I'll, I'll be able to keep moving forward in life. Thank you for sharing with our audience. This is one of the best we've ever had, Frank. This is fabulous. Thank you, my brother. You got it. Frank Martin is special. Uh, I love what he stands for. I love what he's about. Final Four, Frank is an amazing human being. I think you're going to grab all those nuggets out of there, and it's one that you can't forget. Frank Martin, special, special coach, better human being. Till next week, this is the coach, Brendan Sarah.